Welcome to the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brennan Jones. Joined as always with Gabby Hyder. Josh Peach is not here with us today, um, but we are joined with Michigan basketball beat writer for SB Nation, Daniel Dash. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. What about you guys? We're chilling. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a long weekend, but I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, basketball is starting back up. And, you know, this is obviously a game that both sides have been anticipating for weeks and months. And I know there's been some stuff back and forth. <laughs> and I'm glad to get into all of that. You um, say you say starting back up because we've only had because it's been a two day break because Illinois yeah. played like every other day the whole last week so it feels like a century since I know I don't know it felt like it's been like an NBA schedule almost yeah at least for Illinois and then it feels like I don't know because obviously AP poll came out today um Illinois is fourth even though they lost to Michigan State but that's because a bunch of people lost uh Baylor lost moving Michigan up to number two so this is now for tomorrow two four matchup which is going to be something that's insane Tuesday night uh great day for basketball I'm excited, um, but Daniel, just walk me a little bit through, I know you've been covering this team for a little bit. Um, how has this year been for you, just covering it? What have you experienced through this team? Uh, I think just from watching this team, I, I think most of it was obvious in the early stages of maybe December, even before they got into Big Ten play, that what really separates them is their balance. Uh, they have five guys who could score in a bunch of different ways. Um, the guy who's made the biggest leap of anybody since last year is Franz Wagner. Uh, he's a six foot 10 shooting guard. It uh, does not get much harder to guard than that. I mean, he's a guy who could kind of beat you to the rim. His three-point shooting numbers are up way up since last year. Um, part of that's due to a broken wrist that he had last year. But, I mean, this year he's really come in and kind of transformed himself as a player. Um, if the last name sounds familiar, it's because he's Mo Wagner's little brother. Uh, obviously, Mo was the, the guy in 2018 who put Michigan on his back and took them to the national title game. Um, when the COVID-19 pandemic first started back in March and the season was canceled, uh, Franz and Mo, being from Berlin, Germany, um, did not go home. They stayed with Mo in Washington, D.C., uh, Mo being a, a forward for the Washington Wizards. Um, and without NBA and without college basketball, they trained together. And Mo rented out his own unit and the unit below them so that when they did ball control drills and kind of dribbling work it wouldn't disturb everyone in the building um and Franz really came a long way as a ball handler um he's six foot ten and ended last year at 205 pounds uh came back to Ann Arbor in August at about 225 pounds so hung a lot of muscle off the frame and I guess it's showing this year um he's a lot more physical at both ends of the floor um another guy who's kind of taking a big step forward is Isaiah Livers uh obviously they had Xavier Simpson for the first three years of his career uh, Simpson had the ball in his hands for pretty much 80 to 90 percent of Michigan's possessions uh, that kind of made Livers a spot-up shooter. This year he's doing a lot more, doing more kind of off the bounce, getting to the rim, uh, getting to the free throw line a lot more where he shoots it at over 90 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a lot of that behind them is newcomers. Uh, obviously Hunter Dickinson is the one who's stolen a lot of the headlines. He's having a, a freshman year that Michigan hasn't seen in a really long time. And then two transfers, uh, Mike Smith from the Ivy League. Uh, he played for Columbia. Um, kind of funny, at Columbia, he never had 12 wins in a season, um, never had more than 12. And by his 13th game at Michigan, he had 12 wins. So like, this is a guy who's never experienced this level of winning. Um, Columbia last year won one Ivy League game. So, wow. 
it was a struggle for him. Um, he's a fifth year. Uh, he's actually a grad student, but it's his fifth year of eligibility because his junior year at Columbia, he got hurt and got a medical red shirt. Uh, and then Shondi Brown, who's a senior transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, he started almost 70 games in the ACC. Um, Danny Manning was fired, the former Wake Forest coach at the end of last year. He started looking around. Uh, I believe Illinois was on his final list, uh, along with Gonzaga and a couple other good programs. Um, and then Juwan got involved, and about a week later, he was committed to Michigan, uh, got his waiver pretty much right before the season started. Uh, went through all of August, September, October, not knowing if he was going to play. Uh, and then he, he got the good news and he's made a big impact. He actually comes off the bench, which is interesting for a guy who started three years worth of ACC games. 100%. That's pretty much the lowdown on yeah. who they are and what they do. This team is very deep, very spread out. I know I have in my notes, or there's six guys who score eight points a game. Um, I mean, I just kind of want to talk about Hunter Dickinson for a second. He, like freshman year, but at this point in the season, he has excelled to the point where he is, you know, in the conversation for most best post score in the league. And that's a league with Luka Garza, Kobe Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis, um, which is very scary to think about if he decides to stay another couple of years with the recruiting class that Michigan has coming in next year. Um, but I think that's what makes this team so dangerous is how deep they are um, and, and how well that they all facilitate. Nobody except for maybe, you know, Mike Smith is going to wow you with their assist numbers, but I feel like their, their team facilitation of each other is just so well, the way they move the ball. I was watching that Ohio State game pretty closely because that meant a lot for Illinois. Um, <laughs> but just the way that they're able to move the ball, it never seems like one of their possessions is over. It never seems like they're wasting time. Um, and the fact that they can score from outside, from inside, this is one of the most, if not the most complete team um, in the nation. Um, and it's going to make for a really good game tomorrow, I think. I agree. I think, well, I think I tweeted, like, some point last week, um, like, I'm going to wait all week for the Hunter Dickinson Kofi Cobra matchup. Because mm -hmm. what's interesting to me, like, you have all these really good guys on Michigan, you know, like Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, like, Shawnee Brown, like you were saying, um, these guys who have played basketball or played college basketball for a while, but you have a freshman leading the way for this Michigan team. And what's even more interesting is the fact that like their averages aren't crazy, like 14.8 points um, for Hunter Dickinson. And then next is Isaiah Livers, where you compare that to an Illinois team where you have 21 points with Io and about 17 with Kofi Coburn. And then you have kind of a bigger drop off where you have less of a drop off with Michigan, which is, what I think makes them so dangerous. It's like, you never really know where the production is going to come from, but I didn't want to talk to you about Hunter Dickinson. Obviously a freshman, he has started, he hasn't started all the games. So I want to, I want you to explain that. Was that like mid season beginning of the season? Did he not start? And then how did he kind of earn that starting role? Uh, so Dickinson had COVID in August and that really set him back from a conditioning standpoint. Um, a lot of guys, all right, for the big men, it's tough in general. You see a lot of guys huffing and puffing coming up and down the court. With Dickinson being seven foot one as a freshman, having only really two months, the, the months of June and July, in a college strength and conditioning program, was not ready to play big minutes at the start of the year. Played very well in a limited role, um, but they actually started fifth-year senior Austin Davis um, just for the, the experience. I like they're running the offense through Austin Davis. Um, and then 
in December, uh, I think it was Michigan's fourth game of the year, maybe fifth game of the year, uh, Davis got hurt. Uh, he did something to his heel, um, missed about a month. Uh, and that forced Dickinson into the starting lineup where he flourished. I mean, he really hasn't turned back since. And one note with Dickinson uh, compared to other freshmen is he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy who's a lot more physically developed than maybe a, an 18-year-old center or even a 19-year-old center or a, a guy who's, I guess, really starting to make their way from a, a strength perspective. Dickinson's had time to kind of put muscle onto his frame. Uh, right now he's listed at seven foot one, 265 pounds. Uh, last year, Michigan graduated a senior, John Teske, who was seven foot one, 260 pounds. So Dickinson started his college career weighing more than Teske finished his college career, which I think is crazy. So they got even a, a strength upgrade in the post. The age thing is weird because it's like very similar to Kobe Kobe, yeah. who came in 19, 20 years old I, as yeah, a freshman. because I think he's 21 now yeah. as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And Kofi's I mean, an international recruit. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's from Jamaica. So, and you can just tell, I mean, he's had a grown man body probably since he was 13 years old, uh, <laughs> how big that man is on the court. But it's very interesting that there's that sort of parallel because at the end of the day, obviously, Brad Underwood talked today. He said, Iowa's still day-to-day. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Probably be game time decision um brad's maybe trying to hide his cards a little bit but uh i think that matchup is going to be so interesting because mm-hmm. the way hunter dickinson plays he can beat you with his strength obviously seven for one 265 but he also has just insane finesse around the rim and that's something that scares me a little bit with kofi coburn i don't think there's anybody who can push kofi who can back him down really in the paint he's huge he's a mountain but <laughs> This year has been a little bit better. We saw against Wisconsin, he had four fouls for the first time since like December or something. Um, but Dickinson scares me because that's a definitely a guy that could get Kofi in the air, draw a lot of fouls early. And if this is a game without Iowa, without Kofi, it's it's not going to be a great game for Illinois. Um, how do you see that matchup working out right now? Um, I mean, they're both really good at not fouling, but when it's I mean, this is going to be an absolute battle in the low post. It's literally, it's two mountains of muscle that are just going to be trying to push each other off the low block all game long. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the difference maker between them is Dickinson's passing. Um, Dickinson does a really good job passing out of the post. Teams have tried doubling him, and they've kept him to, you know, four points, six points, maybe even eight points. Uh, but when he gets three or four assists and he's moving the ball around to shooters, that's when Michigan plays even better. So you kind of look at the two Maryland games as a case study. Um, the first time that Dickinson played Maryland, uh, which for him was actually a homecoming game because he's from the, the DMV area. Um, he went off for 26 points and 11 rebounds. The second time they played in Ann Arbor, uh, Maryland doubled and triple teamed him. Um, this, is, this also feels like a, a good time to mention that Maryland's tallest starter is six foot nine, Galen Smith. <laughs> they were already at a pretty sizable disadvantage. Um, but they kept Dickinson to three points because they just didn't let him catch the ball on the block. But when he caught it on, you know, the short corner or the high post or at the elbow, he was able to whip passes to three-point shooters, and Michigan was up by 20, uh, pretty much halfway into the first half. So the way that doubling Dickinson, if anything, just opens more doors for Michigan offensively really intrigues me, and it's something that he jokes about with Jawan Howard actually a lot. Jawan sometimes calls him the, the point guard. Um, the point forward and I think it, it kind of just speaks to the way D- 
Dickinson sees the whole floor. And because he's lefty and catches the ball on both blocks, he's pretty comfortable looking over both shoulders, which allows him to pass at angles that I don't think many other big men can. Well, I think the biggest problem I have with Kofi Coburn, and I'm sure everybody does, and even Georgie Pichano-Savilli, like both Illinois bigs can't pass out of the post. And that's Kofi's biggest flaw is he cannot pass out of the post. And he's, I think this year he's taken big leaps in every other aspect of his game. You know, he's more physical. He's stronger with his hands. He realizes how big he is. So he uses that to his advantage. You know, his perimeter defense has gotten better. Just all these things he's improved on, except that passing out. And that's the problem is you have these teams now watching watching this film. You're like triple, almost quadruple teaming Kofi Mm -hmm. Coburn in the paint. And we've seen how refs have kind of been calling Kofi Coburn, late, Kofi Coburn lately, and we've seen the frustration it's brought out of Brad Underwood, but that wouldn't happen so much if he learned to pass out because Team C, he won't. He really won't. He doesn't even look out. He doesn't even look out. You will have two or three guys wide open. He can't get the pass out. It's just not something he's grasped onto yet or really learned mm-hmm. to do yet. And I think that's where the biggest disadvantage of this matchup is, is Illinois can go in and try and double team um, Dickinson and he's still going to find a way to make a play. Whereas Kofi on the other end, you could triple team him and you could force him into a block and you have Michigan has guys who can block Kofi, you know, other teams, like you said, in the big time, Maryland, shorter, shorter guys can't block him. So he's either going to get fouled or he's going to make the shot over you. Not the, it's not the, way it's going to work with Michigan you know so I think that's the interesting point for me and that's where I think the difference maker could end up not saying that's necessarily going to be it but that could be the difference because Michigan has shooters Michigan has really good guards today in the uh pre-game availability um Brad Underwood raved about Mike Smith like he talked about him so many times and I think it's just be you know these Michigan guards have tons of talent and it's not just there's not just post talent there's talent everywhere so I think that's a big thing with Kofi and again Georgie because if Georgie has to come in and relieve Kofi whether it's just to rest or foul trouble Georgie can't do that either and I mean Hunter Dickinson is going to eat Georgie up and I'm scared (laughs) that's that's the thing is Georgie's not as physical not as strong as Kofi can be and he doesn't play to his advantage enough because Georgie has a ton of muscle on him he he might he might be the most like muscular guy on the team but he doesn't always use that and I think if Kofi gets into foul trouble and we have to throw Georgie out there it it could be kind of I think that's when the game could kind of get out of control I think another big difference between Dickinson and Coburn when you talk about the physicality um they're both gonna have but I mean, at least the way I see this game playing out, they're both going to be spending a lot of time at the, the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dickinson is a 77% free throw shooter. Uh, I think Kofi might still be under 60%. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, yeah, I think it if was this good. is a five-point game with three minutes left and, you know, Michigan sending Coburn to the line and Illinois sending Dickinson to the line, that could be what kind of swings the pendulum. And it's uh, not even at that point, it's not even Kofi. It's the entirety of the, the Illinois team. Uh, I was obviously stat diving today, and Michigan shoots 78% from the line, while Illinois shoots like 68. Mm-hmm. Ranks like the Illinois free throw shooting against Michigan yeah. State was absolutely brutal. It was, and that's what really lost in the game and yep. kind of squashed their comeback attempts late in the game. But Illinois, I think, ranks in the 250th uh, spot in D1 for, for free throw percentage. And 
as 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 March comes and as, as April comes, that's what's going to suck um, about these games. Is like free throws are ne- needed to be made to keep you in games because um, Illinois has this special ability when Iowa assumes on the court that you're never really out of a game, mm-hmm. and that all depends on can you make seventy plus percent of your free throws um, in that game. And, and Michigan State was, I think, I don't know what they finished it in the sixty percent or something like that. Yeah, in that game. Um, I think they missed a total of like 15. Uh, and those are uh, – That game, Kofi was 3 of 11 yeah. from the free throw line. And that's just unacceptable. But the thing is, and the weirdest part is, then you you go to the Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. Or was it Wisconsin? Which, yeah. Yeah, when Demetric Trice, right? Yeah. Am I yeah, – And then right. we – the only reason I think Illinois won that game was playing. because they made free throws. And it's so weird. It's like – I don't know. I mean, I hope maybe it was a switch after the Michigan State game and, you know, it's a different lock-in. But you also had Trent Frazier going to line, who is Illinois' probably – I mean, Jacob Grandison is their best free-throw shooter, but Trent miss. Frazier has shot significantly more, mm-hmm. and he shoots 82%. And then you had a freshman, Andre Corbello, who shoots 73%. He made four straight free-throws, too, and then you cap it off with Jacob Grandison making two – so it's only – with Illinois, it's only if you send the right people to the line, and that's all about your inbounds play, and that's all about who you get the ball to. If you can get the ball to Trent Frazier, you can get the ball to Jacob Grandison or even, like, DeMonte Williams. And, of course, Iowa, you're in good hands. But Michigan, I'm sure, has done extensive, extensive film watching. They know who they want the ball to go to, and they're going to play to – you know, they're going to play to that advantage. So – I think it will be interesting. I am worried. I, not that I don't, I have full trust in Kofi in big situations, but his free throws just aren't there. And I don't think it's a matter of like nerves or like stressful situations. Cause it's like beginning of the games, he just misses them. And it's like, mm. I don't know. I don't know what uh, the answer is I think for him. Big man syndrome. I mean, like, <laughs> I feel like it's not like he has an ugly form. It's not like, no. I think he's just big and it's muscular. It's hard to, it on there but I mean we've seen people in basketball history struggle with free throws all the time that are that big but they need me out there shooting Kofi's free throws you're the last person uh-uh. I would put on the court to shoot I actually shot good free throws when I played in high school trust me I was a good free throw shooter because I'm small I don't have that much like it just goes right in okay I'll believe you so they should sub me in tomorrow <laughs> definitely you should for Kofi. Well, you're gonna be there anyway. I'm gonna be there so Pack Daniel if you see me like run onto the court real quick. They just know that they're subbing me in. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get the memo when you leave the press box and you, you go grab the orange jersey. Yeah, like there will be one. My number is probably going to be, I think they're Maybe. giving me 13. 13? 13. Okay, um, you just, can be in that new picture that they put out. Yeah, actually, they asked me to be in it. They asked me to take <laughs> Trent's place in the, like, recreation of the 0405 team's picture. I had to say that. Yeah. Um, if you're on the seven for Kofi, though, you probably have to wear his triple XL number 21 jersey. That might look like a dress <laughs> on you. That's true, because I feel like we we have to disguise that it's not me and it's Kobe Kofi. If you wear his jersey, I don't know how else you can tell the difference. Considering <laughs> I'm 5'2", he's seven foot, 300 pounds. Exactly. I think this is a perfect strike. We just figured out how they're going to win the game. Me, yeah. Oh, <laughs> but what I really want to talk about, you talked about it earlier today. Um, is the second Wagner. Uh, he's 6'10". He handles the ball well. He's a guard. And I think he is, like, the defensive centerpiece of this team. He, he plays phenomenally on anybody. and He's going to be on 
your your best guard, your best like forward type wingman. Um, and I'm trying to in my head this morning I was breaking down the matchups, right? So I'm already assuming that I would assume he's not going to play. Um, just you know he's missed the last two games and you kind of have to plan this game without him being there. Um, so you're going to have Trent Frazier at the point, Adam Miller at the two. You're going to have your wings be probably Grandison and, and Williams, and then you're going to have Kobe Coburn. And it's I I I, I don't I I think I trust Grandison and, and Williams defensively. But it is hard when you're playing somebody that's, you know, 6'10". Somebody's going to have to guard Livers. I'd probably put DeMonte on him. And I, I think play. that the two natural matchups are Dickinson and Coburn, obviously, and Livers and Williams. L- I think after that, it's a kind of crapshoot based on strategy and where each coach wants to leave themselves vulnerable while going for an advantage at the other end of the floor. I think with – with Io being out in this game, possibly, I think Illinois is really going to have to take advantage of those specific matchups. And one matchup that I think could be very, very good for Illinois is the Trent Frazier-Mike Smith matchup. I don't um, think it's going to be Mike Smith. I think it's, it's going to be Eli Brooks. Yeah. It's, it's Underwood said in the press conference ah, today, it's going to be Curbelo. Or not Curbelo. Um, Mil- it's probably going to be Miller. Mm, okay, Miller and Mike Smith is where Illinois is going to have an edge. Yeah. And then Brooks and Frazier should be very, very interesting because what Brooks does really well is he runs guys off the perimeter mm-hmm. and what Frazier does well is he kills guys from the perimeter. So that's a, a kind of game within the game that's worth keeping an eye on. Well, I like Miller on Smith as well, though, because if there's any turnover problem from Michigan, which it's very slight, it's from Smith because he mm-hmm. handles the ball the most. And Miller, while he's been shoddy on offense, he's made – advances on defense a lot yeah he's really committed himself to the defensive end especially on the perimeter um and he's also, very good at like jumping the ball very mm-hmm. good at steals like and that's what you're going to get from your two guards you're going to be able to Trent I think plays in the passing lanes better than really any guard I've yeah. seen in a while um and, and Miller plays really good on ball defense if you can force Michigan into turnovers because you know Illinois they're going to have their turnovers. they're going to turn the ball Corbell's going to turn the ball over a few times <laughs> He's going to miss some balls. Georgie's going to get the ball stripped from him when he's trying to do a post <laughs> That's just stuff that can get stuffed by the rim and then travel yeah, as well. Right. That exactly. one too. Um, but what's going to need to happen is you're going to need to make up those turnovers on a Michigan team that's not as turnover yes. as Illinois. And I think the guard matchups is really how you do it. Um, because if you force them to do turnovers, maybe they'll want to play in the post more. And then not that I'm confident uh, in the in the Dickinson Kofi matchup, but that's at least a matchup that you can be like, all right, you can live with that. Yeah, Other you than can having split that. Isaiah Livers just you know take Demonte Williams. You. You know? Because if, if if this is an Isaiah Livers game, I don't love this. If this is a Hunter Dickinson game, that's something that I can feel. I like, can okay. I can work with. I think the thing is, the thing I'm worried about with Demonte. Listen, mm-hmm. I love Demonte as a defender. He's quick. He plays great help de- defense. He communicates well. He's the defender you want on Isaiah Livers. But what do we know about Devontae? He has a hot head. He doesn't know when to stop. He doesn't know when too much is too much. And I can see him picking up a stupid technical Mm -hmm. or a stupid pair of fouls, and he has to sit on the bench. And that's the problem is then who's going to defend Isaiah Livers? He got one last game against one of the Wisconsin assistant coaches, which is one of the first times I've ever seen that happen. Which here's my thing with that is why first, why is the coach? Cause the coach was talking, um, was trash talking Curbelo and then DeMonte obviously backs up all his teammates, which I respect. 
and goes over and says something to the coach. Mm. The ref's right there. They call technical, technical on the Monte. That was in the final couple seconds of the game. Well, when it was the, a double technical, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it ended up. But, like, if it wasn't a double technical, like, that could have been the game right there. But and you have to be smarter as a senior. Like, you thing, have to be smarter. My thing about DeMonte is, like, if he ever gets a technical, it's a double technical. He's never going to go out there and be stupid <laughs> and only get himself a technical. Like, he's going to give as much energy as the other person's going to give. And if – if he goes and gets a technical, at least he gets one on Livers, right? Because Livers offensively is a lot more important in Michigan than DeMonte's offensively. But I feel like Livers doesn't get into stuff like that. Yeah, you can't be strategizing your technical fouls around the assumption that it's going to be a double technical, too. I mean, I, if they're the conference with more unpredictable refs in the country, I, I would like to see them. Yeah. That's no, the I mean, problem I agree, is I, I think Isaiah Livers is too calm, cool, collected but then I don't to think, give into that. I don't think DeMonte will, do, will get a technical. I will. I would think he will. Nah. Um, I think he if will. he does, it'll be on somebody else. You or it'll be so? like him and somebody else. Yeah. Um, I think DeMonte, while he is high-headed, I think he uses that to his advantage. And Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, I think the Wisconsin one was boneheaded. I think yeah, that was You can't really do that in the final seconds. But other other games, like, yeah. he's been able to kind of light the fire under people. And I really respect that. And he, he always rides for his team. Well, I also think that, like, he – He's aggressive and he's in your face. And I think that could irritate livers a bit. And I think mm-hmm. you could see some frustration. Obviously, Daniel, I don't I don't know what you think on the whole fall situation, but you can give your you you look I, like I, mean, I, I just think that this Michigan team is so locked in and above. Kind yeah. Of that. One more point that I want to make about the matchups is if we're going under the assumption, which I think that the three of us are, that it's gonna be a Brooks Frazier one-two matchup that leaves by process of elimination Mike Smith guarding Adam Miller and he's giving up a five-inch height advantage yeah um that is something that Illinois can exploit um Miller um has not shown I'd say very much aggressiveness trying to get to the rim throughout the year Uh, he's more of a a jump shooter from what I've seen but I think that he will be able to get to the rim um, and I think that that's going to put Smith in a lot of positions where he has to choose whether to give up the layup or pick up a foul. And then behind Smith, Michigan doesn't really have a true point guard that comes off the bench. What they like to do when Smith comes out is shift Brooks to point guard. Right. So that's going to be a much heavier load for Brooks if that happens. Or they're going to have to bring in a true freshman, Zeb Jackson, off the bench who has looked, to put it nicely, terrible in the appearances that he's made. Yeah. Uh, but they needed to turn to him in Minnesota when Mike yeah. Smith picked up fouls and they got run off the court. And that was their only loss of the year. Yeah. So, you've, I mean, you've seen how it works. And I think the thing is, if you have Eli Brooks slide over to point, that's – Trent loves that. Mm-hmm. Like, Trent's going to eat that up. You know, like he's mm-hmm. – that's where he wants to be. He wants to guard that position. So, I think – I think that – Obviously, the Dickinson, the Brooks, whatever, all those matchups are great. But I do think the little sleeper matchup that you aren't that not a lot of people are thinking about is the Smith Miller matchup because that's Adam yeah. Miller looked great against Nebraska. Granted, it was Nebraska, but you don't you don't have Iodasumu. So obviously Adam mm-hmm. Miller slides into this role like we, you know, like everybody saw how he was at Morgan Park. I mean, he was this off the ball scorer. He could create his own shot, create his own points. And you saw that against Nebraska. Wasn't there as much against um, 
Wisconsin, but you know, you still saw flashes. He can drive soup so well, you know, he can pull up well, he can shoot well. Yeah. And it's all, I think this matchup could, I don't like if Miller can exploit that matchup in the right way. And hopefully they've been working on this in practice. If Miller can exploit that and be on his game and have the confidence that he had against Nebraska, I think he could rack up a lot of points that are really going to help in the long run. That's the important part about this stretch without Ayo DeSumo is that it's not only about this year, which it feels like it is because how good Illinois has been. Uh, It's also about like next year and Adam Miller, who with Ayo DeSumo in the lineup has been forced to play kind of like that jump shooter role. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw at the first game, Nebraska has 16 first half points. Mm -hmm. And that's because he was attacking the run. That's because he was not having to, you know, catch and shoot he was able to shoot off the dribble he I, I think he finished that game two of eight from three because he had a not a great second half but his yeah. first half was was really good he had some amazing layups um in the paint and that's what I want to see that's what mm-hmm. I want to see I wrote in my notes I said are we going to see Nebraska first half Adam Miller are we going to see um who I mean he had 18 points on 15 shots are we going to see you know Wisconsin Adam Miller which was six points on three shots um that's what's going to be important about this game without Adesumu because you've seen Illinois' half-court offense struggle at times mm-hmm. without Adesumu because you don't have that that guy. You know, you you'll see Demonte Williams like take off the dribble shots, which I love because yeah. I think I mean even though he isn't that offensive guy because he's probably like the sixth or seventh best offensive player, he's an he underrated be, scorer off the ball, and he's an underrated passer with the ball in his hands, um, as we've seen these last two games. But you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to step up and be like, okay, like, Io's not here. Who's going to make the shots? And I need that to be a combination of Trent Frazier and Adam Miller because mm-hmm. both of those guys can score at a, at a very, very high clip. And that's what you're going to need to beat this uh, Michigan team because on the other end, as we talked about, you're going to get, you know, 50 points from six guys. So yeah. you're going to need to figure that out. So. One more point about Miller, I guess, before we move on. Um, he's going to feel pretty comfortable for a night, I think. Um, mm-hmm. He's close with Juwan Howard. He grew up playing AAU basketball for Matt Irvin Fire, where his teammate was Jace Howard, um, Juwan's second youngest son. So also Michigan recruited him pretty hard. Um, there's, actually, there's a little bit of a smoke around a flip based on Io's decision at the remember, yeah. <laughs> late signing period last year. Obviously nothing came of that, but I think Miller's really comfortable around Juwan Howard, and I think that if he kind of comes out and settles into the game, um, that's where he could maybe have one of those Nebraska first halves or what he did to uh, North Carolina A&T. Granted, it was North Carolina A&T, but, I mean, shooting six of eight from three is shooting six of eight from three. Mm. I think that he's definitely a guy to watch. If I had to maybe label an X factor for Illinois, I think the the low-hanging fruit is kind of Kofi Coburn and how he handles Hunter Dickinson and at the other end, how he goes at Hunter Dickinson. But I think beyond that kind of matchup with the big man, Adam Miller is going to be a, under the assumption Tazuma does not play, he is going to be a, a major piece of how this game plays out. Well, and I think the biggest thing with that is Adam Miller knows he wants to be the star once Io isn't here. That's part of the reason why he came to Illinois. He wanted to do what Io did and be that star and be that, lead guy so I think it's his time obviously you played well against Nebraska but if you can play like that against the number two team in the country and you can walk into Ann Arbor and as a freshman show that you are legit and show that you know you're just not the background guy behind Io this year like I don't know and I think like you said he's gonna walk in comfortable and one thing we know about Adam Miller is he's confident Mm -hmm. he's a very confident guy 
even when his shots aren't going in, they look good. His shot always looks good no matter what. And I think he always trusts his shot. I don't think you ever see him hesitate when he has an open shot. I think that's the thing. If he walks in confident and comfortable and with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, like, you know, this is on a big national stage. Like now is the time to really prove yourself. I think in this game, if you're Illinois um, and if you are a freshman like Adam Miller and you are a guy like him who wants to be, you know, the face of this program next year and possibly the year after that, I think this is, this is his time to do it. And I think we're going to learn a lot about the type of guy and the type of player and the, you know, the grit that Adam Miller has tomorrow. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. It's a big game for a lot of people, right? It's a big game for Adam Miller. It's a big game for Andre Cabello who talked about today how he, you know, he loves the big game. He wants to play good. He doesn't want to, you know, turn the ball over like he does sometimes. Mm. So like he wants to protect the ball. I mean, uh, in the last two games, he's, he's yeah, I want him like to do 13, that too. He's averaging 13, seven and seven. Like he's, he's played well in his yeah. absence. Uh, there's still some turnovers. There's still some stuff you, you want to see fixed, but he is a freshman. Freshman of the week right there. I know exactly. So um, stuff like that, but this is also, this is like, it, I don't know. I don't know. I, obviously, Michigan has big games all the time, but this for Illinois is like the yeah. biggest game in years. I feel like nervous because like, if they can win this game, yeah, nerves or ivory throws. If they can win this game and they can, you know, show out against Ohio State and they've basically locked up their first seed. Yeah, and that'll be so important in a tournament where you have Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan, who are three teams that have since the beginning. Obviously, Baylor had that one. Uh, had to mess up this this week and yeah. Michigan lost against Minnesota ages ago, but um, three teams that have really been head and shoulders above all the rest of the nation. Mm-hmm. If you can avoid those guys until the final four, then you've made you know a, a case that you guys can go out and compete in in March Madness and, and and make that run. So this game is so important because if you can do that, you can almost virtually lock up that that first seed, and that's why. All these guys coming to to show up in that game is going to be so important. It's going to be the biggest game of Trent Frazier's life, probably. Yeah. Adam Miller, Andre Cabello, everything that they've been working for. So it's going to be super interesting, and I'm very excited for this matchup. I'm very excited. I do have a question for both of you guys. Percentage chance Io does play? I think right now. It scares me because when Brad was talking about it, he he said it was worse than just a normal nose break. And that makes me feel like it's something with his orbital because his, his his eye he has is a really black blue, eye. Right? Yeah. So it makes me think that there's something deeper than just his nose, yeah. which is obviously you don't like to see if his eye swollen and stuff like that. Like it's going to obviously affect how he plays. And you don't want to put him out there if he's not ready because you want him in three weeks. Yeah, you need him um, more. So I would say it's probably like – because you could lose this game, win against Ohio State, and, like, do well in the Big Ten tournament and still have a good chance at a first seed. So I think it's, like, 30% chance he plays. But uh, I think 30 is high because when Underwood was asked about it this morning, yeah. he asked about the postseason. And when he was asked about the postseason, he said, we're certainly hopeful of that. Mm-hmm. He's had every possible facial evaluation. We're not going to put him out there unless he's fully healthy. And that was referring to the postseason. Yeah. So if his postseason status is uncertain for two weeks from now, what makes you think he's going to play 16 hours from now? 30 was optimistic just because I wanted him to play, but I think it's very, yeah. Hey, the last time Io played at Chrysler, he hit a game win. So yeah. a dude who you know is comfortable in that building. Yeah. I, 
I'm very torn on this subject because part of me is like Underwood does this all the time. Like after Io, we saw Io like Taurus ACL yeah, last year. Was that was a very scary time, but they made it seem like he was not going to be ready for a while. Mm-hmm. Like that was the, that was the feeling. Like I was very shocked when he came out. Um, I think it was that Penn state game, right. Or what was it the next game? Um, either way, I was shocked when he came out. I think we were all shocked. Part of me is like, maybe they're just trying to keep it super, super on the low and he's going to come out tomorrow. But then part of me does feel like it is a little more serious than we originally thought. Mm -hmm. And that, again, this is arguably the biggest game of Illinois program in probably since 0405. Biggest, the biggest regular season game. Yes, yes, right, right. yes. If you send Io out there in a mask, and he, he truly does have a facial fracture, and, I mean, the mask isn't going to fully prevent further damage, just going to mitigate the chances. But if he takes a ball off his face at the wrong angle, and then yeah. that two-week absence becomes a four-week absence, and you're looking at no Io until the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, that's just not worth it for a regular season game. I understand that the, the Big Ten regular season title hasn't been clinched yet, but... Illinois needs to win out, and if they're doing it based on winning percentage, Michigan needs to lose out. And Michigan's last two games after Illinois are a back-to-back with Michigan State. And Ken Baum has those spreads at 12 and 16 points. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I were Brad Underwood, it just it makes so much more sense to have a 100% healthy Io Desumu in a week. Which I agree. Or what date does the Big Ten tournament start? March 10th. So okay. a week and a half from now, give him however much time he needs. And Illinois, I think, locked up the double buy, so yeah, they don't even they don't play until March twelfth. Um, yeah, I think the smart move is to not play him. I think knowing Io Desuma, knowing the type of competitor he is, I think he's probably doing everything to make a case to play. Um, we don't know. He just put on. Actually, I wanted to bring this up. He posted on Instagram last night, I think, on his story. And he, um, let's pull it up. He said, it's March, baby, going ghost. It's time to lock in even more. Talk to you all at the end when it's all over. I don't know. Like something about <laughs> that just makes me feel like he's going to be out there tomorrow. I don't know. And I don't think so. I would love it. But I also don't think it's his decision to make. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, there are so many people, not only just Brad, I feel like his family also would be like, yeah. well, like if you're not healthy, there's no reason for you to go out there yeah um, because even i mean past march and april he's going to be doing draft workouts mm-hmm. he's going to be doing stuff that's important to him stuff that wasn't available last year because of covid 19 um that's going to strengthen his draft profile and that's the thing underwood has like harped yeah. on is he will do nothing to like hurt his future yeah. so i as much as i want it to happen i i would probably say 20 percent chance is my final consensus mm-hmm. i'll split like the little difference Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go 20%, but I think there's a slight chance, but I mean, he'll be there. He'll travel with the team either way. And I think he's definitely a valuable piece just on yeah. the bench. You know, he's going to be very intently watching, talking to Corbello, Miller, Trent in those timeouts like he did um, Wisconsin. And I think also just his presence being there, I think is huge for the freshman guards like Corbello mm-hmm. and uh, Miller, I don't, obviously, like, I don't think Frazier needs his presence. I think Frazier is, you know, fine on his own in his mental state. 
But I do think, especially for Curbelo, I think that's the biggest thing is having Io to look at those things and having Io see his little mistakes that he makes and correcting those in the timeouts. Because I think, especially, obviously Miller too, but Curbelo really mm. values those like little in-game mm. um, discussions and those in-game moments. And I think they help him. Like whenever there's literally, we have pictures, our photographer of, Brad Underwood like screaming at Curbelo that one game a couple of weeks ago, like going in on him. And then um, I think he like, he learns from those situations mm -hmm. in game. And I think he like really thrives when that happens. So I think even Io just being there gives Illinois that little extra bump and that little extra, like, you know, let's go out there and win this for, you know, our guy type of thing. Um, yes, I'm for you guys. Yeah. Um, Brad Underwood has, over the last week or two, made some pretty pointed comments <laughs> about rescheduling. Um, do you think that he has a case? What do you make of Michigan rescheduling the game? And I guess in general, with the, the three makeups and Michigan's not disdain for playing the makeup games, but kind of just generally looking out for themselves in terms of rescheduling, choosing to make up this game and passing on rescheduling with Penn State, right. who they Northwestern, who they ran out of the gym, and Indiana, who they just thrashed on Saturday. I think... Brendan and I have talked about this a lot. We I... have, like, sat down on this couch <laughs> in our rooms and just gone in with each other about think... this subject. So, Brendan, you so, can go. I had a tweet, because, uh, you know... As much as I love Illinois fans, I think sometimes there can be a little much. And when that game, that Michigan game got canceled originally, um, Illinois was on a win streak. Everybody was feeling hot. They just beat Iowa. Um, and they're like, oh, man, it looks like Michigan's scared to play Illinois. The very next game, they were trailing Nebraska at halftime. So it, there's no – I don't think Illinois – or I, not that – Michigan shouldn't be scared to play Illinois. They're not. They're one of the top three team in the, in the nation for a reason. Um, I think Brad Underwood's frustration comes with the fact that they had to, it's not only the Michigan game, it was the Nebraska game. They had to play a bunch of games away from Champaign. Um, That's everybody right now. Right, exactly. They have a lot of, a lot of games on their schedule, but at the end of the day, sure. You, you could say like Michigan women's basketball played the same day that Michigan was supposed to play Illinois. Sure. You can make that argument, but this is like kind of the agreement that everybody came together when they wanted to play during a pandemic. It's, it's irrational. Schedules are going to be messed up. People are, you're going to play games that you don't want to play. You're going to have to reschedule games. It's going to come in a terrible, you know, situation. Like you said, I mean, they skipped the Penn state game because they didn't need that game. And, and they played Ohio state, you know, just last week they were playing, they just played Iowa. They, they played the top three teams. They're going to play the top three teams in the last week and a half. It's not like Michigan schedule. They, they catered it to themselves to be a cakewalk. Um, I think Brad is just frustrated because his guys also have played a few physical games. I was obviously out. Kofi Coburn has been bullied a little bit uh, in recent games. Um, and I think, I don't think he's, he's, he's definitely having pointed comments. I think that's more of him trying to look out for his players mm -hmm. rather than trying to start something. I also think Brad is coming to the point where he's realizing like he's one of the better coaches in the, in the, in the nation. And he, he's trying to like spread his wings a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. get out of there, which I think he has the right to. I mean, he's, he's put together this program from, from where it was four years ago, which is, was not a good place. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't, I think that the way people look at this is the wrong way. I think this is what people agree to when you decide to play during a pandemic and 
bad situations like this happen. And this just is what it is. I agree. I think when I was first kind of listening, when Underwood first started making these comments, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, but I think I was looking at it from the wrong way at first too. Everybody's going through this. Everybody's having to, I mean, look at Nebraska. They've played mm-hmm. like a game like every other day and nobody cares because it's Nebraska and Nebraska, they're not going to make the tournament. They're not going to get a good seat anyways, but like you still have a team who's working hard, who's trying their best to win. And they're going out here and having to do the same thing that Illinois, that Michigan, that whoever. Sure, it's frustrating because Underwood's team, knock on wood, has not been the root of any issue. So I get that that can be frustrating. But I think Underwood is trying to, like you said, kind of make a case for just like everybody out there. And I think he actually was asked about it in the press conference today. Someone asked, like, you know, are you trying to like basically take shots at Michigan? And he was like, no. He was like, I think everybody's dealing with this frustrating time. He's like, I'm basically like allowed to be frustrated as a coach without it being a disrespect. And, you know, he went into how much he respects Juwan and how he was, um, how he is sure that like Juwan was probably frustrated when he, his team was shut down because it wasn't their fault. And so I think, I think he's just expressing, expressing his frustrations for everybody and across everybody. Cause like you said, I mean, He's one of the best coaches in the country. And I'm shocked he wasn't considered for like coach of the year. Um, But I think he is just realizing that he's established now and he can kind of make those types of comments without like Josh Whitman in his ear. Like, oh, don't say that, you know, like he's a proven, he's proven Mm -hmm. himself. And I think it is just coming from a frustration for his players, not a frustration at other teams. How do you feel going in? Because like, I've always wondered from the Michigan standpoint, you guys, are, or the team had to sit out for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, a whole bunch of people were questioning Michigan's legitimacy. Came back and have obviously been perfect since then. Um, how has that been like covering the team, you know, trying to like navigate the, the different opinions out there? Oh, well, I don't know, because a lot of Underwood's comments have seemed to kind of be taking up frustration with the lack of 20 game schedules because there are a couple teams that yeah as it looks like will not make it to 20 games michigan being one of those teams um and michigan too had really no say in that the team had zero positive COVID tests um they haven't had one since the late summer um and the department shutdown wasn't even michigan's decision it was a state recommendation right. and state recommendations are interpreted as orders um, I mean, you don't want to be the, the biggest public institution in the state and have the health department on your bad side. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes with the territory of that 23-day layoff. Um, but it does sound like at least some of Underwood's comments seem to be direct shots at teams who are not going to make it to 20 games. And the only team not making it to 20 games that Illinois even gives a crap about is Michigan because of the title race. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was the first interpretation that I had. And I also think that it says a lot that when Michigan went through and decided which games to reschedule, they made this game a priority getting on the schedule and going to Penn State and going to Northwestern and hosting Indiana for three likely blowouts wasn't worth cramming in the games, exposing yourselves to other teams that really don't have much of a, a postseason future. So who knows how lacks there becoming about the COVID protocols. Um, So I think that the way I saw it was definitely a call out in a way. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think 
Underwood and Illinois would have more of a, a, a argument for this if they didn't lose to Maryland, if they didn't lose to Rutgers, um, if they had won a, the Missouri game, I guess uh, you would say. But like, I think where it, like, I understand the frustration of you playing more games than other teams, but all that, like, all this comes back to is like, this is what you guys in the Big Ten got together and decided. I mean, shoot, you remember Kevin Warren in the beginning of the first semester said, you know, there will be no Big Ten athletics this year. And that quickly turned around. Um, and everybody got together and said, you know, we want to play. This is how we want to play. Da, da, da. We're making the schedule. We're going to accommodate as much as we can accommodate. This is part of the accommodation. And um, you, I understand the frustration when you're playing more games than anybody else and you have not, you know, had any COVID issues, obviously not on wood again, but um, it's also like, out of some teams controls, right? Michigan did nothing wrong. That's just, you know, a variant coming into their state and they can't really control that. Um, and, and I mean, other than the Minnesota game, they've been perfect, you know? So, and that's a, that's a team that, you know, beat Ohio state and Iowa, you know, in, in Minnesota. So I think the, the comments are a little ungrounded, um, but I understand the frustration from Underwood. I do think everything's just like the past couple of weeks been blown out of proportion. Like yeah. just everything, like, from fans, just from like, you know, everyone surrounding the program. I think it's that time of the year where like frustration, especially with the pandemic. I mean, like we've talked just like as students, like Mm -hmm. it's been a year, like since we've been dealing with this. And I think like I'm losing motivation and it's just like this frustration is building up across like everything you're doing. So I think that's just partly attributed to is a it's March, you know, this is the time where Every team has to lock in. Every team has to be on their best. Coaches are, you know, high strung. Underwood has talked about how he barely sleeps. I'm sure that's the case for a lot of coaches right now. Like, I think everybody's just very high strung um, across the whole country, you know, and I think we're kind of seeing that come out in the media a little more just because everybody's asking those questions. And, you know, I think like five or six questions today in today's uh, press conference was like, attributed to those things and it's just like I think everybody is just very like at a very high stress point and I think everything's just getting like blown up a little more than it would in a normal year so I do think like the the comments are valid and the comments are you know clearly like you know partially directed and I think that's fair to like assume that I just think it's a matter of everybody's just high strung at this point Mm -hmm. including me because i have to shoot free throws tomorrow yeah exactly um and before we sign off uh, a little bit of news um illinois did just publish their game notes for tomorrow uh game notes include a starting lineup and it does not have iota it will be the same starting five for the wisconsin game um frazier uh grandison williams coburn and adam miller uh as we talked about, I'm glad we went through this whole podcast under the assumption that <laughs> the would be out. Now that seems semi-official. And now um, that it won't be official until they submit the starting lineup card tomorrow at Chrysler. But as of now, it looks like it's trending in that direction. And now that we know that, we can clearly do uh, score predictions. So I guess I'll start. Okay, uh, go ahead. Although I wish Illinois would go up to Michigan and, 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 and take the win, I think without Iodesumu and with how good Michigan's been playing recently, um, I think it's kind of inevitable that, you know, Michigan is the better team and mm-hmm. uh, especially without Illinois' best player. 
Uh, I think they make it a game, though. Uh, but I think Michigan kind of just kind of distances themselves late in the second half. Uh, I think it'll be 87 to 76 Michigan. Okay. I'm also going to say Michigan wins again as much as I think it is hard without Io to believe that this team has enough to beat the number two team in the country. And Michigan, no matter what Kofi does, Adam Miller, I do think Michigan's just going to have too much to do it without um, Io there. So I'm going to go Michigan. I'll probably go 82-73. I will go with a slightly smaller margin than you guys. I think Illinois being a a senior-driven team with young pieces that have really come along, perhaps more so than anyone else in the Big Ten this year, um, they're not going down without a fight. I think this will be a game until the end, uh, which really hasn't been the case for a lot of Michigan games. So kind of that second half pressure is something they haven't experienced probably since that Ohio State game, uh, the Wisconsin game, but really before their COVID pause, they didn't. Um, I'll go Michigan by four. I'll go 75-71. I think it'll be a, a little lower scoring than you guys do. Better make your free throws at the end. I know. I think I think we've just been hurt by Illinois too much. I, I have a very no, I lack of see, that. I have a very lack of trust in them to make something <laughs> close. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll see tomorrow. Yeah. We'll see which one of us is the closer. Yeah, make your free throws. And I'll I'll say it now. I think that these teams will see each other again in the Big Ten tournament. I think these are the two best teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed Iowa's healthy for that game. Would love to see the way these two teams stack up with their kind of Full Thanos, all the jewels. <laughs> right. Big Ten championship game, uh, a healthy Illinois, a healthy Michigan. I think we've had like that would be the perfect, you know, ending to a great season. That's yeah, I think and I think on a neutral court, this. Yeah. I mean, the metrics show that Michigan's probably seven to eight points better, but I think on a neutral court with kind of the the fierce competitor that I would assume it is kind of. I don't know. I think. If this is a matchup in the Big Ten title game, I would probably put my money on Illinois. Um, but that's where I am at this point in time. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. We'll see how Tosumu looks when he's back in good health. Uh, there will be some rust. Uh, if that's if his first game back is the third game of the Big Ten tournament, which would be Illinois' first after a double bye, that would be, that'd be what, two and a half weeks without playing? So there will be rust. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully they do meet each other in the tournament so we can talk again. That would be great. Go through the matchups with Aodesuma. Excited. I'm excited too. Well, Daniel, thank you so much uh, for hopping on this podcast. I mean, we had a fun time. Can't wait to watch that game tomorrow. It's yeah. Be, I think I hope it's going to be fireworks. But um, uh, for me, for Gabby, please like and subscribe if you're listening. Uh, give us that creative feedback if five you star must. ratings only if you're gonna rate don't do anything <laughs> but five star do it for daniel um yeah. but yeah this has been the daily about high sports podcast